0: a big
1: warm welcome What sort of nights is it going to be? One of them ones or one of them ones? <laughs> <That's it. laughs> you know, you've never done one of these before, is it, is it, is it, is it just me speaking and no one else? <laughs> <laughs> And I think, just from my perspective, obviously, um, like, the, like the guy said there, the, sorry, said there is that um, nothing set up, nothing pre-planned for tonight, which is um, the best way for me. I think it's um, important that anybody sitting here tonight ask the questions that they uh, they have and feel and need to, to ask. And I, all I can do is be uh, totally honest and totally upfront with everything that I give back, whether people like it or not. I think hopefully you all understand and accept that that's the way I am and the way I go about my business. So um, I think from everyone's perspective, I hopefully should uh, should lead on to a to a good evening ahead. And uh, like I say, anything that you've got and want and need to know, please throw it out and I'll do my best to answer it. So, uh, but other than that, thanks for coming.
2: Bye. Gap.
0: Yes, Ross. Thank for it, everything you've done since, you know, uh, the Justin Bieber incident. Uh, it's a bit of a long shot this one. And um, I know he was given two-year contract by Pochettino, but the chance of
1: George Mars coming in on a permanent basis. I think it's certainly something we um, will look to explore. I think. Um, the real interesting thing with uh, under-23 players at a lot of Premier League clubs is some, and, and the ones that are really highly regarded, will be given their contracts by the manager, and they will train a lot with the first team within those within those clubs. Where George fits like that at Tottenham, the honest answer for me is I don't know. They've obviously gone through a, a change of manager, which I think then leads to different circumstances within any football club. Um, I think at that level, you then start to see what uh, opinion people really have. And I think notoriously we all know that Mourinho isn't one for massively for young players. Um, so potentially, if it was Pochettino that gave him that, that contract or not, the circumstances and the viewpoint towards George could certainly have changed. I think he's come here and I think he's done extremely well. I mean, the fact that it's his first loan speaks even more volumes for him because. Uh, I've gone on record to say before you have to be so careful if you compare the first time loan that we had for Levi Lemeca and actually made his debut in the Premier League last season it did turn out in any way shape or form and most of that for me is down to attitude I think George has shown the attitude the physique the athleticism and the quality of footballer to survive certainly at this level and for me definitely if you look towards League 1 so long long way around it. but the answer to me would be certainly be something that we explore and then it will be down to george's mindset and then i think the other thing as well we probably have to bear in mind will be what what Tottenham them on they then perceive actually we're well, hang on to george for another year because he's done extremely well and try to build on that 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 line that he's had and for them to explore the possibility of is he then capable of doing it in league one next year so i think there's so many variables but certainly from our perspective it be something that we definitely look into trying to trying to push to to the levels that we
2: And new batteries,
1: right there. We go. Go again. Satori, so, do you contract, please? <laughs> I think Ruel's coming and done extremely well. I think, um, we you the words you heard were important ones because um, you said that I tied him down, so I'm going to tie him up until we get him signed up. So I think, um, he's coming and done extremely well. I, uh, There was always going to be, everyone's always held Ruel in high regards here. We knew that he had real potential. Um, But we needed to give him the opportunity to develop and kick on and be ready to come into the team. So the plan very early in this season was for always to try and get Ruel the next best loan that we could, a little bit like we just touched on with Marshy really, to go out and prove that he could do it again against men, but on a a more regular basis. So him going out to Dover, should have happened a lot earlier. Um, the different people got involved in, in the situation and he didn't go out um, go out at, that, at that National League level as early as we would have liked, which then meant he was behind other people because he hadn't played so much football. But when he did go and take the, the opportunity, we all felt it was gonna be one that he could really thrive from. He went to Dover, done really well. Didn't start as many games as people probably actually think, but come off the bench and, and got the goals that he did. So. Now he's come to the team, and I've been delighted not just with the fact that he scores. Obviously, it's the, the thing that we all assess for for goal scorers. But I think he gives us something that the other lads up there don't 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 have or don't do for whatever reason. And they all have their different qualities. But I think he's a tenacious little sod. He works his he works his socks off. He wants to score goals. He wants to do well, um, which I know is something that we would all think is a prerequisite of being anything in life, but certainly in football. But he's got that real bit between his teeth so that's something we need to maintain and keep hold of and make sure that that innocence in is stayed the way that they are um, I know the conversations are already leading fortunately that's not something that I'm part of but I know that his agents have been met and all those sorts of things that go with dealing with modern day footballers in terms of getting him signed up so the sooner we can do that the better for everyone. Uh, I'm really pleased to see you. Uh, You got your job (laughs) full time. Um, Is there any way you could let me know uh, how many players are out of contract next season? There's enough players out of contract. I think the obvious ones are the boys that are out on loan Um, Dal Gorman, James Larby. And then you're looking at a number of young ones. Obviously, Marvin Ekpete is one that, alongside Ruel, has been discussions continuously throughout the season already to try and sign Marv up. Um, that they hit or slowed down earlier in the season, and I suppose like anything, you sort of then let it settle to, to then revisit it. So that's been revisited on a number of occasions in terms of trying to nail nail down Marv to, to make sure that we keep him and, and um, help Marv continue on the pathway that he's gone on or come on since he, since he joined the club so, so Marv's another one that we're fighting to do everything about and then underneath that is a lot of, lot of the younger boys Matt Harold, not a younger boy but Matt Harold's another one so he just come to me as I, as I went to move on to the rest of them uh, Shadrach Ogi, is another, another lad obviously out on loan, uh, Arthur Janata, goalkeeper, currently, uh, currently out on loan at Harlow Town so a lot of the boys underneath those ones that I suppose jump out at you straight away are the ones that, that are up at the end of the season um, outside of that, I don't think, sorry, I'm of, racking my brains. Obviously with, with the boys that we've got in here at the moment, like Ussi, say, um he, we brought him in on loan, obviously, with a view to see him where he would get to or be at in terms of coming in after not having much of a season at, at Gillingham. So there's a number of boys in the group at the moment that are naturally one or two of those, three or four of those are going to be the ones that we want to nail down. Uh, obviously I'll re- include Ruel in that as well. Um, to make sure that the ones that we really want to move on with us next year are the ones that, that stay with us. So, um, majority of those that we've talked about are already in the process of trying to trying to come to the agreement. Fortunately for me, I don't have I well, don't have to, but I don't get involved in the direct uh, dealings of that because it's obviously such a big process now in terms of people and agents and. That, you know, the difficulty of dealing with some of those people, that's, that's something that, that Martin gets on with, which is obviously something that's a, a real big relief. And as it was for, for Justin, I know when, when he was here, a big part of what, what he said and what he enjoyed about being at this club was that there was so much more that he had to do at all these other clubs, whereas Martin obviously released a lot of the burden in terms of deal, dealing with players and, and their agents with these sorts of things. So for the ones that we really want, I think you'd understand that I'm not gonna sit here and tell you who they are or who they're not right now, because that'd be naive. But you know, the processes are in place for the ones that we really want to keep um, so that we can get our business done as early as possible and that's a big thing for me now in terms of the boys that we've got that are out of contract but also when we get towards the summer to try and get things done as early as possible um, i'm not a lover of the harry redknapp arm out the window waiting for the window to shut because i know it surprises people and it keeps everyone keeps that energy of thinking that there might be some new blood coming in right at the end of a transfer but from a coaches and managers players perspective the sooner you can get the people in the building and start getting them working towards what you want to do the better it is for everybody. Where do you see the priority areas to strengthen the team in the summer? I think some of that will depend on the players that we sign. But I think if you look at um, the upheaval and uncertainty that we've had at centre-half this year, in terms of we haven't nailed down, whether that's through performance or or through injury, we haven't nailed down probably a first-choice and half-partnership this year. So I think that's going to be an area that we look at. And, uh, And we have to bear in mind two things for me as well. One, Marvin, in his contract situation, Dan Happy being Than happy in terms of what he's capable of and the age that he's at could well lead to somebody coming in for him one day. So my job is to obviously make sure that we're prepared if we lose anyone. But I think that's a position we have to have an eye on in order to be prepared um, to improve in that area of the pitch, whatever happens or however that happens with with, with players' contracts and and who we're doing those keep hold of. Um, I think, again, if you look at... um, the position that has come in and played I've got a real uh real positive feeling and I've got a hold Hector Kipriana in real high regard I think he's going to be an absolutely outstanding player at, at this club at this level and beyond I really do feel he's got a massive future but we have to protect him because he's 18 years of age um, and has come in and done that and, and, and I watch Hector in training now and he shows real qualities because he's learning from a player with a real wealth of experience, but a real, wealth, real amount of quality. So hopefully, C smart is the answer, and we, and we sign him, and that doesn't become too much of an area of concern for too quickly. I think the real thing, the other side of it is, is we haven't we'll, we'll gone on a regular basis enough, to, or to the same level as we did last year. I think when you sign strikers, it's a. I don't want to use the word lottery, but I mean that in a a funny sort of way in terms of when we signed Maka, I knew Maka as a kid and watched him as a 17 year old and I really liked him. He'd always been someone I followed his career but he never really scored. Then all of a sudden he comes here and has two seasons of scoring 25 goals. I know it might have been one up or down over the two seasons but he gets the amount of goals that he gets over those two seasons. I think it's really tough to guarantee that you're going to sign a striker at this level and they're going to go and get you the goals exactly that they want. So I think so many of our strikers have got so many different attributes. The big thing for me now is to hone in on which ones work together the best, what the best partnerships are, how we get the best out of those players, and not just doing that, but over a regular basis um, in order to become more of a goal threat more often. So I think we've got some talented boys at the top end of the pitch it's now really focusing on the better ways for us to to create chances I think the last one really is the full-back position has really caused us a lot of concern this year I felt we went for a real uh, lack of quality in some of our performances before Christmas because we had Dan Appie playing at left back Um, no slam on Dan Appie but he's not a left back Um, we've had to sort of re-approach sometimes the way that we played the games in order to uh, make up for the fact that we've not got natural fullbacks playing in those positions. So I think we've got a number of them that can do it and a number of players that are capable of playing at this level at fullback but we haven't had them on, enough, on a regular basis enough this year so I think that'll be an area that we look at as to what we address and how we address it the best way to fit in obviously with the players that are in contract, but at the same time to get the best players that, that are going to come in and play for us next year. Thanks, uh, Ross. T- two questions. First one: There's um, there's always a lot of stuff on social media, particularly on Facebook, and some of it is quite often not very nice or very qu- critical,
0: over the top. Do you and the players read that, or do you, do you ignore it? And if you do read it, does it does it have any impact? And the second question is uh, a lot of support criticise managers, not showing enough enthusiasm on the touchline. Do you think you maybe overdo that a little bit now and again?
2: (laughs) Wasn't it nice to see him on Soccer AM as well during his... his?
1: I was calm at that occasion, didn't even take my hands over. Um, Sorry, first question was uh, social media. I, obviously there's been a lot made of social media this week for obvious reasons. I don't, so I have an Instagram account that is something that I started a long, long time ago and I have however many people that follow me that I've accepted over that period of time. Now some people, might be in fans, that followed me when, before I came to the, the club and I had an open account, because no one knew who I was, not many people do now, but at that time no one did, and those people, follow me and they're people that I've known for a period of time, like I say, whether they're Orient fans or were or weren't at the time is a different thing altogether, but I keep that protected. Um, so it's people that I know that follow me and then I choose who I want to follow and what I want to take interest in. I actually really, I'm a massive fan of Twitter, massive fan of it, because I think anything that you want to research these days is it's a magnificent tool to be able to do it. And I miss not being able to use it because because I don't feel as though it's right for me to do so. So, when I was at Swindon, I had a Twitter account that was open, people found it. Swindon fans don't quite understand anyone outside of Swindon, so I got a lot of stick, we were rubbish, it didn't go particularly well, and I got. It, it was nasty. So, the minute I walked in here, I sat upstairs with Charlie Long, and he said, We're going to announce that you're coming back to the club. And I said, Let me just delete my Twitter, because I'm hoping that in a minute everyone's going to be positive about it, but there's going to be a stage when they're not. So, I can't afford to take. The positive bit and not that or I've got to be man enough to embrace it all so my opinion is just get rid of it don't 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 acknowledge it and I think that social media gets so many things media gets so many so much stick at times like it does this week but for me it ain't the platforms for me it's not the the social media the media that that, that should get the stick because ultimately it's the people that are doing it it's not it's not Twitter's fault it's not it's not Facebook's fault, it's the person that manages that Twitter account that feels as though they can say, say nice, say nasty, say one thing, then contradict it 20 minutes, all them things are wrong. And I think for someone in my position to take any notice of 433, 442, one up front, it, it can only affect you negatively. So my missus reads it all the time, and she go me, why is it, so? I don't care, don't tell me, and then she goes, go, no, but I'm only, I only read it because I want to know what I'm walking into, and if I'm going to walk into the ground and People are going to be negative. Yeah, oh, really? I don't care. When I say I don't care, of course I do. I'd much rather everybody be talking about me in a positive fashion. But I know that's not the real world. That's not life. Whether I'm sitting up here or I'm sitting in your chair, someone's going to have a positive and negative opinion on what you do and how you do it. It's only that I'm in a position that people can say what they want to say on a little bit more regular basis. So the answer to your question, the long-winded answer is no, I don't. I do miss not having the access to it, and you know, I have to search a little bit, bit more harder to, to find out what's going on in the world. But in the longer and the bigger scheme of things, I think it's practical for me to not have that cloud hanging over me because it, I think in the end you just you, your brain will be frazzled, and the job's hard enough as it is every day to to then have to worry about someone that's sitting in the south stand moaning about it. it's not It's not something I can concern myself with. So that's that. I think it's um. The, the second part of your question is, is something that i work a lot on improving so i am ultimately i'm i'm a passionate person uh, i'm passionate about football did i ever think that i was going to be sat here now did i ever think that i was ever going to be a football manager no and that's that that's the reason why I, probably partly the reason why i the start of the season I chose not to become the manager because of the, you know, the perception of myself becoming a manager was a bit of a bit of a difficult one to get my head around. But now all of a sudden, I'm manager. Of, I'm, a, I'm a manager. I'm passionate about my job. I'm passionate about, about what I do, and I want to be the best at it. But at the same time, I'm now I've got that, and I'm manager of my football club. I'm manager of a club that I grew up following. I have a incredible amount of. Um, not it but but also the added thing of wanting this club to do well. So whether I'm sitting at the back of the gallery or I'm standing in the dugout, I still want the same outcome for Leighton Orient. So it does take over me sometimes. I know that I've obviously been in trouble and I've been sent off and got bookings and stuff like that, but I feel like I'm in a better place when it comes to that now because I've put a lot of focus on... Justin asked me a lot last year to be the one that goes and speaks to the referee and the fourth official, and... Because when he then what it meant was when uh, little did I know, but what it meant was when he did it, it had more of an impact. One, because it was just in Edinburgh, it were not Ross the But two, when he did it, it was a bigger, made a bigger, bigger deal with it. So he asked me to chip away at the time. So then all of a sudden, I'm the one being seen by everyone talking to the fourth official. But it was part of my job, and I must like say I know I did it on wrong, did it wrong on a number of occasions. So since I've taken the job on a permanent basis, it has been saying this at the forefront of my mind that I have to get better at that, and I asked Joby and Dean Brill to manage that situation for me a lot more. Um, I still lapse in concentration, and I still do it, but um, that's 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 me, and, and I've got to get, get better at that. I think the over-enthusiasm as well is, is again, it's something I think the more, or well, the longer you're in a job and dealing with the pressures, the better you get at it. And I think it depends on the occasion, it depends on Circumstances also then depends on how much enthusiasm, energy, attitude you, you show to 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 being on the side of the pitch. And I think if you if you stood me and Ian Holloway next to each other, he would manage himself a hell of a lot better because of his experiences, because of the amount of money he's got in his bank, I suppose. Um, as opposed to me, I'm I'm I'm, I'm new to it, and, I, and I, I'm so enthusiastic about doing well for me. But also, real I've, I feel as though I've got that extra. Um, I don't want to say the word burden, but I everyone knows what I mean, that extra responsibility, it is being my club that's playing out on the pitch as well as, as being the team that I'm managing. Sorry, Russ, um just a, actually as a follow-up to social media, um, there's a lot of people that are negative, and I think it's safe to say that on um, the flip side of the coin, there's a lot of people that are positive. About you, me included.
0: Um, the actual main question I heard you a um, couple of weeks ago on the the podcast. Podcast boys, best match. What was the worst
1: match? I think worst match. I think. Obviously, from a distance, it would be things like relegation. I think you know you have to. I was at the game when uh, was it Swindon away. I was fortunately I did that, It was the year before I went went to Swindon because that would have been a horrendous situation to have found myself in. Um, so I was at that game. I think um, some of the Wembley defeats, um, you know, the playoff finals. I think I think those sorts of things are probably probably up there with the one, I've never been asked the question before about what the worst one is, but I think anything like that in terms of how close you get to that. I think uh, the other thing from a personal perspective, Bromley 6-1 away was possibly quite a, uh, a low moment and then to follow it up and go there a the year later and get sent off weren't much better either, uh, hence why I'm hoping, I've said to the boys already this year, I'm much happier going to Barrow away on a Tuesday night and have to go to Bromley again. <laughs>
0: Well, this is an old Sinatra number, I think Good evening Ross. Um, what did you or the scouting staff see in Lee Angle that I'm
1: missing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry mate, he's six foot two to five foot eight. Um he falls over when someone comes near him. I, I don't think he's got a lot for me, but please. Did you
0: watch Michael Symans? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Sam Parkin. <laughs> yeah, tell me about. Do you know what? Funny, I'm not avoiding the question because I'll come to it in a minute. I am a bit disappointed we weren't a Sinatra number as well. But um, when I joined Swindon, Sam was the first person I see on the first day, and he walked in and he went to me. I'm not sure if I should shake your hand because you want to go away from here and tell all the Orient fans that I've got a job in the press. He, uh, he said I was one of Orient's worst ever signings, so he was one of the quick ones to acknowledge that. Um, but I think it's safe to say, that I said it already, we haven't scored enough goals this year. Um, and I think that since Leeds come back for his injury, he hasn't hit the heights that he probably was hitting at the start of the season. He w- I, always, I remember a game here early in the year, it might have been Swindon at home, I can't remember for definite, but I took Lee off and people booed me and told me that it should have been Connor. So I think that sort of shows you a little bit sometimes of how hard it is to make the right decision by everyone. But I think since Lee come back from his hamstring injury, it's been he hasn't found his, his form again. But I think again some of that has been due to the fact that the, the amount of chances that we created. We went for a stage before Christmas... Um, where he was, and, and, and in the early stages of the year, I always remember like the exit or away game for anyone that might have been there. He he's, he's put in some performances at times as a lone front man where he's really taken a responsibility, held the ball up and been a real handful. Um, but he hasn't scored the goals that he would have wanted, almost. So I think um, the traction for me, for Lee, is, like you said there, he's a big boy, he's athletic, um, he's never really found a home. he's gone for big money on some occasions um he spent a lot of time up north unsettled um and i feel and felt when we when we signed him in the summer that this was a great place for him to come back come back to live in london try and get him settled try and get him playing on a regular basis and show the capabilities that he's got um, he's an incredibly talented boy but i think it's it's now a case of really us focusing on what's going to help him to kick on and find some of the form that, that that he had at the start of the season. So I think like I said, said right at the beginning, I take some of the responsibility that he, the, the strikers maybe haven't scored as many goals as, as they could have done. Um, and at the same time, I'm, I'm sure that if you sat any of the lads down like this season, there's not many of them that would go, look, I'm absolutely over the moon with the way that I've performed this year. So um, we haven't seen the best of Lee yet, but I think he would admit that and it would be, be a case of me. Like we do with all the boys, he's continuously working with them for for you all to see the the talents that he's he's really got.
0: You're obviously seeing him from a different angle. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I like it. I like it.
0: (laughs) Charlie against Chelmsford. Sorry, (laughs) sorry.
1: You brought off Wilkinson and Angle, was that to play for the draw? Because I don't feel we're good enough to hold up for twenty five minutes at the back with people coming forward. At the moment, anyway. I think the fact that we let a goal in supports your point. The rationale behind that on the, at the weekend was, we couldn't get out of our half. So, um, it's well publicized after the game that, that people had things to say to me afterwards. And one of the points that they said to me was, why didn't we play like them in the first half, like they did in the second half? And I said, well, the, the wind and the rain and the conditions was a hell of a lot more. I think most people that have seen and watched him already that Lawrence figueroa is potentially one of the best kickers of the ball, strikers of the ball in the league for me. Um, I don't think he made the halfway line in the second half. So my rationale behind taking the front boys off was, I don't feel feel as though we could get the ball to him. Um, So therefore you go, well, can you take Lee off? Do you take Connor off? Do you take Danny Johnson off? Well, we felt that Danny might have the capabilities of running in behind if we did get the ball up to him. Um, And I tried to just pack pack the, the rest of the pitch out as much as we possibly could to hold on. And I've got no shame in admitting it, it was absolutely blowing a gal. Like I say, couldn't get out our arse for the pitch. I felt, let's get some more players in the middle. Let's get more players at the back to try to hang on to, to what we had and, and try to get over the line. And unfortunately, we hang on for another three, four, five minutes, you know? Great say, But if we do, then then yeah, it's a great decision. We come out of the worst possible um, conditions with a point. Um, but then the flip side of that is, I think I said it in my post-match interview, that. I felt like I was negative because I'm not one to make changes to take strikers off and put midfield players and defenders on, but I felt like it was needs must on that occasion to try and get us over the line and unfortunately, it never worked. Ross, thanks for all your time for the club over the years, especially since the passing of Justin. But the question I want to ask you is: Have you been surprised by how much higher the standard is in League Two compared to National League, and what are the main problems, lead to I suppose, for you and the players and the coaching staff? I think hundred um, percent. No, not that it surprised us. I think um, the circumstances quite surprised us in terms of obviously trying to prepare. For, you know, We had a man at the front of the club, the manager, that was preparing for League 2, um, that, that, that wanted to give new contracts to the players that were in the group and reward them for the fantastic work that they did to get National League last year. So those preparations were one man and then all of a sudden they were being taken over by myself, by Martin, by everyone trying to work together to try to get it, get it right to prepare the squad to be ready. I don't feel as though we had a good enough pre season to help be ready. Um, and I think the reason behind that was there was so many stop start moments throughout the pre season. So obviously, we had a four week break after the trophy final, which ain't a negative going to Wembley, is it? But at the same time, I cannot have in that rest period for the boys to then rest and get ready to come back um probably brought back a little bit undercooked and then at the same time that our pre-season was so stop start i don't think we had a clear week monday to friday monday to saturday um of full preparation because of the circumstances that we find it, found ourselves in in terms of having to support um the loss of Justin. so i don't think that helped but again it's not a situation that i would blame i think then uh, the big surprise for me or two surprises for me have been First and foremost, the athleticism of the league. I think last... um, I think everyone would agree that 99% of the teams came here and would have been happy with a point. Some of the teams would have been happy with no points, but not getting hammered. And I think um, what you found on a lot of occasions was that even that held on in those games, they were dying a death for the last 10 minutes and we looked like the team that were really going to run away. But I think then what what's happened this year is instead of the opposition having three, four, five players that might not be as fit as the boys that are in our team, we're then the team that are trying to cope at the level uh, and I think I think on occasions we finish games quite strong so it's not under particularly the boys that we've got I think the general fitness levels, the general athleticism levels are definitely a lot, lot higher than the than, than League Two and certainly a lot, lot higher than when we left League Two so I think that's a big one and then I think there's not many teams in the league that don't really uh, control the game at some stage in the game. So I think even the teams that are very, very direct, if you look at Newport, if you look at Northampton, they're not particularly the teams that I would choose to go and watch on a Saturday afternoon. But there's periods in the game that even those teams that are really, really direct, they get control on the games, so then therefore their athleticism is even stronger. That makes sense in the terms of the way that I'm explaining it. So I think the, the athleticism is definitely a lot, lot better and a lot, lot bigger and, 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 and uh, people can keep going for a lot, lot longer. But I think then also the level of players and the level of um, tactical understanding that teams have got now and the control that teams get on games is a lot, lot better and stronger than it was when we left League 2 behind. And then the big, the big thing to take into consideration is it's a lot, lot better than what we left behind last year.
0: Hi oh, boss. can you tell us the situation with Joby, is uh,
1: any chance he might flag in this season or what the future might be? Yeah. Um, mm. I, I'm one today that I'm really worried that in a minute Joby's going to be the one knocking on the door saying, boss, why are you not putting me in the team? Um, he's run extensively in the last two weeks to the the level that a 38 year old shouldn't be allowed to run, it's incredible. Um, so, he struck balls a lot this week. It's really given him an opportunity of being a lot closer. And I never ask him how he is until the next day. I think we all know, if we go for a walk a little bit longer than we should have done, or for people that exercise on a regular basis, you push yourself a little bit further. It ain't for the next day that you really know how much it hurts. So I wait until the next day, I'll ask him how he is. And every day in the last two weeks, I've asked him and everything's been of a positive response. There's a very strong chance that we might see Joby train with a group by the end of this week. Um, when I say train with a group, that's not with a view to playing on Saturday because he's been missing for so long. But I think you'll probably tell by the by the smile on my face is that there's every opportunity within the next few weeks Joby could be training a lot, lot more with the squad with an intention to be back amongst them and available for selection. So. Um, it's astonishing the way that he has gone out and taken to it like a duck to water and I think it's really, really easy to forget how much of an influence Joby has on the group and how much of a leader he is and was last season. Um, he's he's done everything he can to, to, to help me and, and be that leader standing next to me or behind me this year, but it's not a natural thing for him to do because he wants to be out on the pitch and I think I've i I've sat and hoped that he would get back out there this year this season. And give himself the opportunity of knowing that he's capable of going again next year. And I think everyone in the room would join me in saying that we hope that's going to be the case. The next phase is can we get back out on the pitch? Can we see how capable he is of doing it for his own perspective? And then he'll know whether or not he really wants to go again next year. I think when I watch him today, he's every ounce capable of it, technically and as a footballer and his game understanding it's obviously whether or not your body's going to allow him to do that. So hopefully after the long period he's out, we'll, we'll see him back on the pitch soon and, and it'll give us every sort of positive outlook on, on, on where he goes next.
2: I'd just like to follow up from that. So with Joby um, being the club captain and one of the coaches and with the oh. departure of Danette, is, just, is Joby your official assistant as well? Um, or who is your assistant manager? Or is there, because um, with Dean real coming in as well as the coach, there seems to be a lot of coaching staff, but there doesn't seem to have been any announcement of who is officially the assistant manager. So who do you kind of lean on, on your decisions, etc.? It's
1: a, It's a great question because, um there has been no real definition on the outside for, for a number of reasons, really. And I think because of what I've just said there, is if I come out and go, right, Job is my number two, Dean's my coach, whatever whatever structure you put it within. I'm not saying that is how it is, because I've come to that in a sec. And then all of a sudden, Job's, again, yeah. Then all of a sudden, there's that upheaval, of, oh, he's got to change this again, he's got to do that. So we found the way of working where Dean... Uh, works very, very closely with the analysis boys on all the stuff that we need to do to be prepared to play against the opposition. So, set pieces, the formation that they play, all that. And then, when we're in team meetings, Joby and Dean share that responsibility of talking to the boys if I'm not doing it. So Dean has always been an authoritative character. He's always been a very big presence and he's been outstanding since he's come on to the coaching staff. But a lot of the work that he does is, is about how we, you know, how we prepare and what we do with the opposition. And then if we go out and coach, because um, with me stepping into the job, uh, coaching's always been my, my second love. But behind my wife, you can put that on the Twitter account, Dan, if you want. Um, no, it's always obviously coaching's been what I've done, so it's always been my go-to thing. But what I've learned as a manager is sometimes you can't do it all and you need to stand back. And so. When Joby, obviously, while Joby's not coaching, uh, not playing, he takes some of the sessions. Or if we need to split the group, and I want to take the attackers, he might take the defenders. So Joby sort of takes on a little bit more of the coaching responsibility. But then on the flip side of that, and this is why it's really important, I think that we don't actually define it in terms of a name outside of the reason as to to Joby playing again. Is that on a Saturday, everything I've sort of described there were things that, that I did a lot last year and I'm at half-time Justin would say his piece and then I would, I would talk. On a Saturday, I have my information that I give to the players and then Joby's the one that follows up. So there's a bit of a, are you a are you system? I mean, so we, 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 the circumstances for us are working at the moment um, and I think it's very important that we don't just go and try and put a name on everybody's roles right now because of the situation that we found ourselves in. Fortunately, um, you know, we can give Joby that bit of time where, where he goes and then obviously then what that'll allow us to do is analyse exactly how it's gonna look in terms of the start of the start of next season, whether or not that's Joby in this role, Dino in this role. We can actually define it once the summer comes around and we know exactly where everybody's gonna gonna sit
2: that so with Joby being the club captain, the assistant, well, uh, the pseudo assistant manager, the man on Sky Sports, <laughs> he's, got, he's got his think with many pies, hasn't
1: he? I think they're, they're important things to consider. You know, ultimately, Joby might get to the end of the season, God forbid. Don't want to play no more. Wants going to be a every week? So, you know, I don't think, but I hope, obviously, that that's not the decision that he makes. Um, but at the same time, we have to bear that in mind. Um, and I think if you're I know Martin had a really good, has had a really good chat with a lot of the senior boys in the squad over the last year or so and said to him, you've got to be best prepared for when you retire. For me, it's as much going out and coaching them and trying to make them better players and make us a better team every day. I feel that's the responsibility of all of us at the club to help those players move on. They're not all going to be part of the coaching staff. They're not all going to be at Leighton for the rest of their lives. They're going to go on to other things. And I know that when they, when they become the more senior players, Martin has had that conversation with them on a regular basis. Justin did with a lot of them last year and said to them, make sure you're prepared. Don't get caught unaware. Don't get caught, um, you know, not having the right things in place. So that when it comes, you, you, you're scrambling around for things to do. And I think because of the amount of titles you've thrown out there for Jobs, Jobs is obviously doing that in an abundance. And he's been in a position this year to allow him to do that. He's fantastic when he's on the telly. He's fantastic when he's playing. Um, you know, he's great at what he does, so uh, hopefully it's you know with us and around us for a lot, lot longer. But ultimately, Joby has to look out for number. We have to make sure that it's its best. All that. And I think to define anything right now, it would be uh, it would be uncertain. So all I would say is with all the things and all the fingers in pies that Joby has got, when he's here, he does everything to the very best of his ability, and he's been great for me. It's great that he
2: represents like 9 on the tennis. But, Charlie? Oh, no, not. Go.
1: Yeah, um, I think we've got 12 games to go. How many of those games do you envisage Sterling sort of featuring in? Um, I will not put an exact figure on how many he fits in, but I see him being part of, of, a, of a lot. I think um, the uh, conversations that I had or we had with Spurs when... When we were due to sign in was that he wouldn't be fit to train until the end of this month um, but he's been working extensively with their physio department uh, he's been at the last couple of games here for us he's been out on the pitch running a lot lot more uh, i spoke to their people today and they're very pleased with the way he's progressing he's actually ahead so i would imagine that within the next couple of weeks he'll certainly be uh, able to train in and amongst the group and i would be hoping by early say early, but into the sort of second week of March that we'll be looking at a potential of him, him being around us. And I don't know if when we get to my, that period in March how many games that leaves us with, but I would envisage what's that three or four games away and, and hopefully we can have him coming in to, to provide competition for places. Um, I, we knew that when... We look, were looking we look at the strikers, so obviously we signed Danny Johnson, we, looked at, we were looking at strikers and obviously we have a list of players that are on that. Because um, I was on my list because he was here as a kid, I'd worked with him before, and I knew that, for me, his next loan was gonna be a League One club, if he was fit. And um, When I'd done my research and spoke to Spurs, their thing was he's not ready to go out on loan at the moment. Then when they come, then they realized our interest, and realized that he wasn't gonna be able to go out somewhere else. It felt like, to me, a bit of a no-brainer, that we were gonna get a player of his quality, that was already on our list that we wanted, that might come in a little bit further down the line than, than we, all, want. we all, all, all wanted him available on the 31st of January. But um, it felt like a bit of a no-brainer. If, if we hit a bit of a striker crisis or if we lose one or two or people are out of form, we've got someone that can come in a little bit after that we can't actually sign because the window's closed that might reinvigorate the group, that might provide the, the competition for places. So we all knew at the club that by signing it was going to cause a little bit of fall. What did you do that for? But... I know what my rationale was and the quality of player that we would be getting for the last little period of the season.
2: Okay, we'll take one more, and then, then we'll have a short break for you to refill your glasses and have a little personal needs break, and then uh, we'll come. Let's say 25-2 or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name's like, yes. <laughs>
0: But um, probably he was outstanding. Yeah. And um, like, disappeared. And the other question is, Connor. when he was at Dayton, he the and he was on the blue and white, and it was getting positive, and it saw it got, so. he his namesake,
1: like blew it from his Look, Lou's had a tough time. I think when we signed Lou, um, I felt, I might have said this publicly or not, I'm not sure, but I felt we were signing the Josh Corona of our first season in the National League. I thought he was, he was the, for me, I can't really remember many others that were as good as him in, the, in, in obviously not just the games when we played him, but when we were preparing for games or watching other teams that Bromley were playing against them. Lou was, for me, the most talented striker. That we come up with. Danny Rose scored loads of goals, but Louis had like an X factor in terms of the qualities that he had. So we felt that we were getting that type of player. Also, at the same time, trying to replace Josh Corona he's obviously very, very difficult. But we felt we were getting someone that could play in similar positions as Josh Corona Excuse me. He can play as a striker. He could play wide. He comes deep, and, and you know, does a lot of things very similar to Josh. Um, so that was a, that was where we re- really fell up. When he, when he signed, I said to Lou, you've missed a whole year of football. Whole year. Went to Portsmouth, and for whatever reason, Kenny Jackett never played him. Um, he had his reasons, Kenny Jacket had his reasons, obviously, but he came in and he was very concerned about trying to hit the ground running. And I said to him, for me, I'm less worried about it than you are because you've missed so much football. Give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance to get used to being back in the team again, back competing for a place, back trying to score goals, trying to be the player that you are. You've got to find yourself again. So take your time, don't need to rush, there's no pressure on you. I'm willing to give you the time that you need to get there. And, and he was in and out, different positions, and it didn't go great for him at the start of the season. And in recent times, he genuinely has picked up an injury. So I know I've all past people at the ground on a Saturday and people said to me, what's happened to Louis Dennis? He's here, he's that." People are always going to have their opinions on you. I can guarantee you, hand on heart, Louis Dennis has been injured. He had a knee problem just around Christmas. Um that we felt was something really, really nothing and he was going to be back very, very quickly. Um, and it carried on and carried on and carried on and he, he we tried to get him back out training and it just wouldn't wouldn't sit right for him. Fortunately, he didn't have to go for any surgery, but then there was a case of trying to get him fit again to come back into training. He comes straight back into training and the first, second session that he, that he joined in, he suffered a problem with his hip. No one anywhere near him, doing some running. Uh, and his hip flared up and he had a real problem with his hip. So then he was out again for another period. He's trained again uh, yesterday, and he's trained with the group fully today, um, done everything that take apart that every other player in the group has, has, has done. So I'm hoping that now, again, we all want to see all of our players performing to the best of their ability, but he's had such a disruptive last year, he's had a disruptive year to this year, and it hasn't happened for him so far. So we need to give him time now to get himself fit, get himself in a clear frame of mind, and try and finish the season strong, and show everybody, even if it's just glimpses, of what he's capable of. Because even today, after the period he's had out, he does little things in training today that you just go, wow, not many people are capable of doing those things. So just, it's my job now, and the people and the players and the staff around him to give him all the support that we possibly can. Give him to to, to get to being back to the player that we felt we were signing when we signed him. Connor Wilkinson, I think we um, all look at. For me, he's got like Stardust. He's got real quality at the level, you know, for the level that that we're at. He's a, he's a, obviously a big boy. He's very very athletic. Um, it, we've toyed with different positions with him, and I think this, that's going to be the way with Connor at the moment because his first choice position is to play in those wide in those in the wide positions. So when we played him last year, Dagnam, he does he did get in a box. He was a little bit more they were a little bit more direct. He played up front on his own as as a one right up miles away from anybody else. Um, whereas here, he's not a, he's, he's heading isn't he's the, the, you know his, his, uh his go-to thing. It's not his no, it's not his main strength. So sometimes when he finds himself in them wide positions, he's heading the ball against the full-back, So it gives him more of an opportunity to be a little bit more dominant. Uh, I think he's had some really good performances down the middle, but we need to make sure that we get it right for, for him. And then at the same time, respect the fact that that's his best position, his go-to position. So, can we get him in the box a little bit more? Yeah, I think we certainly can. Um, can he score more goals? I hope that Saturday's the turning point. We're obviously really frustrated that their equaliser come so quickly after the ball hitting him in the shins and going in the other corner. But for weeks I've been saying, like, he has an end of disallowed against Crew. It, was, it like, it was a goal <laughs> um, he has one that he misses, that bounces back off the goalie against Currie, puts it over the bar, the one that come off the post against Macclesfield that comes out a little bit, bit quick at the weekend, I suppose if you're a striker in form you just put them in the back of the net um, he hasn't scored the goals that, that he would have wanted, so I'm hoping that that one coming off the shins will give him that little bit of belief, and I'm sure we've all seen it with with strikers at any level, sometimes it's just that little bit of fortune that you need to give yourself that bit between the teeth to go and find yourself the goals that, that you're capable of getting. And I think for me, he's got the capabilities of being anything. Okay, thank you. We'll take a little break now. Give a chance to yourself for us. another drink if you want one.
2: And we um, see so you
1: again in 20 minutes, okay? we we'll carry on again in 20 minutes. So get thinking of- I promise it's going to be the same this year, but it was the best night of my
2: life last year. Um,
1: you're up on that table. Single-handedly, the best night of my life. Brilliant, Brilliant. Singing songs about George, George Porter standing on a table, it don't get no better than that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll still be allowed to yeah. do that now? Yes. <laughs> yes.
2: It's not a school night next day, so you'll be fine. <laughs> okay, we'll start with some more questions, and I'm going to strike to Derek, if he puts his hand high enough that I can see
1: him. Hi Ross, uh, you mentioned Conor Wilkinson being styled us before. Personally, I think that James um, <coughs> Rothy is, and he's done well at uh, left back, but again, I think personally, over feel he can be a really attacking force, and I'm sure full backs must hate him. In him, and if you're going to consider putting him back up front with uh, Josh Wilkinson, back feet, I believe. Connor Wilkinson, I think. Uh, I agree. I agree. Um, I think it's um, James has given us a real different attacking option. So. Uh, Obviously Jordan McGuire Drew has been in and out, in and out of the team uh, in the last couple of games but I feel as though when Jordan's really flying he's a menace in that high position and he has the ability as a winger to cross it with his right foot and cross it with his left foot. Um, not that James Brophy doesn't but I think he gives us a different dimension. What he's allowed us in the last few weeks is James has played that uh, fullback position um, extremely well. I think he's shown uh, albeit maybe not the defensive side of the game being his forte, but I think he's shown defensive responsibility, as has Marshy on the other side, but I know we're talking about James at this moment. But I think then what it allows us to do is he gives us a double threat down that side of the pitch from an attacking perspective. Um, and it gives him a lot of space at the moment to get it and travel at people. So I know I feel, but he certainly feels, that when he picks it up in those deeper positions, it gives him a real opportunity to run at people rather than having the responsibility of sort of receiving it with defenders up his backside. So, um, I agree. I think he's certainly got the um, the qualities and, and we I like to see him at the top end of the pitch. But I know that in the last couple of weeks, I think he's given us a real extra dimension. For, I wouldn't sit here to say now that for the future and for, from here and beyond, James Brophy's gonna be our left back for the future. But I do feel as though he's given us a bit of a different uh, approach and then I also think at the same time he's done it at a the time there was no one that really could play in that left back position obviously Joe being out injured and I touched upon the fact that Dan Appy was playing there um, against this earlier in the year but um, I've been delighted with the way that he's performed and I think um, he's probably been unfortunate not to pick up a few more man of the match awards and things like that in that position so um, I agree with your point and I think totally the answer is yes. It's something that I consider and think about. Um, but then at the same time, I think if a player is in a p- happy and they're performing well um, and they're helping the team, then I think it's something that we always have to really bear in mind and make sure that we exhaust to the to the level that we do before we before we make those changes. But it's a very um, bit of a strange situation to find yourself in because. You look around training and you look look at the bench sometimes, and I think to myself, "Oh my God, how have I not got Joe Widdison in my team?" But that's how I think that James's performances in recent times. I think the other thing to remember as well is that he played in that position at, uh, in League One, and I think that shows you really potentially what what he's capable of doing. Um, we've probably only ever really seen him here as a wing back on occasions, but. But as a as a left winger like like we saw him last year, I know we went for a period last year of playing him wide on the right, and it didn't really work for him. So um, long answer, but the answer is yes, definitely something that I will continue to consider. But at the same time, I think he's filled in and, and really made that that position his own in the last five or six games. It seems to me that um, when some teams attack us, that we don't like to give. Their wingers plenty of room, like, so they've got loads of room. so nobody wants to come here. They're completely unmarked. Is that my imagination, or um, is that some kind of tactics? I'd like to say it's your imagination. <laughs> 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 um, I think I'll, I'll tell you now, and I hope Memoria Dino Memoria is listening at the weekend. This team will come here at the weekend and. Unless they change, like some teams have done in the last couple of weeks, they'll leave their wingers really, really wide and try and expose us like that. And I think sometimes that is part of our um, setup up to understand that we need to maybe, when the ball's on one side of the pitch, try and keep the ball on that, that one side of the pitch from a defensive perspective. Um, and if I were a team on, on occasions, I would try and keep... If, if James Brophy's playing left-back for us, I'd try and keep James Brophy back by putting my winger against him. Sorry. Um, so I think on occasions it is. Um, I think what we also have to bear in mind is there's been too many occasions this year, certainly in the first half of the season, where we were exposed and left vulnerable at the back. So it's important for me sometimes to keep the back four united, keep keep the back four together, nice and close, and make sure that we're um, there's not too many gaps in between. And for me, if a winger is standing right outside, wide on the. On one side of the pitch he's a little bit less danger because he's miles away from the goal and it leaves us with james brophy's pace particularly on that side but i would also say on georgie's side as well is they're mobile enough to go and make up those distances to defend against people 1v1 so first and foremost it'd be clientele what the opposition's wingers are like um, if we feel as though we can cope with them 1v1 then i would i would leave our players in that that sort of situation like that and then it depend on circumstances and our vulnerable we- that we are over the rest of the pitch, so I think some of it probably be down to your imagination. But then the other side of it, there might be it might be a particular circumstance in the game. But um, it's um, it's each individual case for me. Like I say, this weekend they'll try and put their wingers right right high and leave us in one v one situations. But the counter side of that is that when we win the ball, there'll be spaces somewhere else on the pitch for us to go and hurt. Them. I was just gonna ask you one question. We never seem short from the back, do we? Um, Nobody wants it off the goalie, is that sort of lack of confidence, you know? I think it's two things really. I think um, it's what I said earlier about uh, not nailing down centre-half partnerships at times. I think sometimes the other thing as well is I feel as though when we do play anything across the back when we do play anything that goes from the goalkeeper to the defenders i do feel as though the crowd here are very uncertain i do feel it's a little bit and and i think if i was a player out on the pitch at that time trying to play from my goalie in around my penalty area and it was edgy i think that that adds to that and i think i i've got responsibility to take that into consideration i said earlier i think we've got one of the goalkeepers in the league now that's most capable on the ball so i think as we evolve and we get better and and ultimately, as we pick up more results, you might see us try and play from the goalie a little bit more. But I think with the circumstances that we found ourselves in it, under a little bit of pressure, what we, excuse me, what we didn't want to do is give away too many opportunities. I mean, if I have my ideal way, we would play from the goalkeeper a little bit more. But at the same time, I've got a responsibility to make the players comfortable. So we tried on a few occasions this year to, to drop our centre-halves into the goal area. Um, and see if we can maybe lure the opposition onto us to try and play out from, from the goalie. Um, but I think part of it is that. I think the other thing as well is the pitch has taken a hammer in this year, um, weather-wise or, or whatever other way you want to look at it. And I think we have to bear that in mind as well. You know, we, I'd say I the best way of describing it was when we played uh, Mansfield uh, last Tuesday and there was times where Dan and Kortz were trying to pass the ball to each other to try and get us up the pitch a little bit and it bobbles over, it's one of them in the knee, or course goes to pass it and it hits his standing foot. They're all little factors that add to it, and I think the last thing I want to do is put Josh Coulson in a position where he's trying to get it off the of Lawrence route and it, and it goes wonky, and we let in a goal, and then I get then accused of being naive and bringing ourselves under pressure when we should just bash it forward. So I think he's trying to get the, the balance right. Um, I mean, the best teams in the world now and the best teams even at this level Swindon, Plymouth Exeter, they will play from the goalkeeper a little bit more but I think sometimes you have to put it into context and, and manage the situations to not try and put the boys under too much pressure too soon but I think since Lawrence has been in the team again this is no slant on Sarge but I think you see that he finds James Brophy a lot easier he finds George the other side a little bit more the boys pass back to him because it's what he does, it's because that's a massive strength of his. Um, so it will be something, I think, that, that evolves over a period of time.
2: Saying so that, um, are you looking forward to putting your, picking your weights against uh, Pep when he comes down Manchester Manchester City, coming down to League 2?
1: Oh, I had a proper panic when I see that. <laughs> there was a, Dan will be in touch with a, a guy today who wanted to talk... To me from the from the Sun about some stuff about the football league and um, his first question was how do you feel about Pep coming into the league and I said you know what I'd love to see I'd love to see him getting and passing it on Newport's pitch <laughs> um, I, and then I said to him the other thing as well is that he's I love him and I think he's fantastic as well as I do with people like like um, and you have to admire them because they're at the very very top but it would be very interesting to see how the skills transfer, and, and, and people like Mourinho and all those people to come to our level. And after, you know, with, with Pep's style of football, I mean, we, we are as, as, as fans used to watching a certain, not a certain style, but a certain type of game. We want to see it exciting. you want to see it up and at you. You want to see it a certain way. And then for him to come in and start getting the goalie to bounce it off of two. Se- Wait for the striker to go and press them and, and find their way up the pitch would be very interesting. My answer to him was, are you asking me if I'm worried about Pep coming in to lead two with Sergio Aguero up front? Or is he coming in to bring in and play with him at the weekend? So it would be very interesting to see how those skills, skills, uh, skills compare. But I think, I think I might be waiting a while for that to happen. I thought you were going to ask me how much I was waiting for Mark Cooper. Um, You've got a few loanees and a relationship with Tottenham. Now that you've uh, got a relationship with Dean up at Aston Villa, will you be getting any loanees from him or is that more of a geographical problem? I think that relationship will always be there with 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 this club and and, and Dean and obviously now I'm there I'm here and martin is as well It obviously adds to that relationship even more but I think um Dean's always willing to support us with regards to you know what you're looking for. We've got this player, and I think it'll always be something that is a go to and something that we consider. I think when you look at the 23s group that they brought down here last year to play against us, it shows you the gap, the vast gap between 23s football and men's first-team football at the level that we were at last year, and then obviously even more so this season. So they have to be the right characters, again, like I said about George Marsh earlier. So the answer to your question is Aston Villa will always be a conversation that we have. Aston Villa will always be a consideration, and the fact that it's Dean Smith, I'm convinced that he would help us out as having first dibs, I suppose, on the ones that they want to let out. I think we do have to really, for me, we have to consider or exhaust all the opportunities that we can from a London perspective. There must be, or there is, in the Football League, quality players that are playing up north, that must be desperate to come back and live in London, play in London, spend time in London, move back home with their families, whatever their their rationale must be in terms of exhausting. The fact that we've got... West Ham, the fact that we've got Tottenham, we've got Arsenal, Chelsea, all those clubs on our doorstep, Brentford, you know, good clubs that we need to make sure that we've got relationships and links with. I think we can exhaust them ones first because I think Dean Smith may well turn around and say, yeah, you can have this kid for a third of his wages, yeah, and him a week, but then all of a sudden you've got to move him down here and you've got to put him in an apartment, a flat, a house, somewhere, a hotel for... Whatever that cost is for the rest of that. So then all of a sudden you're paying a, you go from getting a cheap loan player to then he's quite an expensive player. You might as well go and sign someone on a permanent basis with a little bit more experience. So I think the geographical thing is always going to come in against us. And I would personally rather exhaust every opportunity of a kid living at home, living in comfortable circumstances. So George Marsh, for argument's sake, his parents, his family are from Kent, Deep Kent. So he lives in digs around the Tottenham training ground area, but he's perfect because his go-to place is to go home and go back to his digs that he's already always spent his time in since he's been a scholar or a, or a young pro at Spurs. So I think um, the answer to that is it'll be there. It'll be something that we look at. If it's the right player, then I think we'll look to do it. But at the same time, I think we have to make sure that we exhaust every opportunity in London or around London because of, because of the resources that were around this area first.
0: Yeah, following on from that, that question uh, just now, how much influence do you have uh, on big in players, bearing in mind where sort of Martin sits uh, within the club? And uh, by the way, I was at uh, the game on Saturday and you know, the professional way you handled that fan at the end of the game is a credit to the club. It's, um, it's... Yeah, of
1: course I can I've got no problem with it at all. Yeah, absolutely no problem, and a few people have said to said to me or made comments since about saying that I shouldn't go over to the crowd, but I think um, I came in here when Steve Davis was manager for a drink after the game, and it's not possible for me to come in here after, but I feel as though I'm quite accessible, I feel as though I try to sometimes... I have someone that comes in, does some work with me from the FA, just to help me with my coaching and give me a different viewpoint on things. And he watches my interviews, and he said to me, "Sometimes you're too open. You tell people too much." And I'm like, "Well, that's me. I'm I, I'm not going to change." And I think the point I was trying to make was I came for a drink a couple of times when Steve Davis was manager, and then realised it wasn't I wasn't able to do it every week, so I stopped because I thought if I'm not going to do it when we lose or not be able to do it every week, then I shouldn't do it because people will put question marks against me of saying, well, he does it when it's alright and he don't do it when, it when it ain't. So I stopped. So then now every now and again, I go up to the gallery because my missus and my kids are up there. I go up there to see them first and foremost. But my big thing is I think sometimes when we lose or when we draw or if we ain't played quite so well, I just go up there. Even if i ain't been up there for five, six games and we've won all four on the spin, I'll go up there to show people that... I'm comfortable with the fact that I'm happy to put myself out there. Before every game, I hate sitting in the dressing room before the game. So I go up to level three when we we're at home and I do the Q&A up there for the people that are, that are sitting on, le- on level three or whatever, because it helps me not have to sit around twiddling my thumbs, looking on my phone, waiting for the boys to come back in after the warm-up. So selfishly, I try to keep myself entertained when we're away from home. Most people standing in here I've had a probably conversation with at some stage. I always go over to the way end. There's people there that I know, there's people there that I've grown up, that I've known since I was a kid, that I know in different capacities. And I always go over and I say hello to people. So I feel as though that at the end, if someone's giving me a little bit of, As long as it's not going to become confrontational, I can't go over there before the game, slap hands, give everyone a cuddle because it's before kickoff, and then when the game finishes and we lose, run for the hills and hide out the way. I'm not going to do that. That's my way. Now, obviously, now it'd be foolish for me to put myself in a predicament. The way that it worked at full time at the weekend was someone was screaming at me like a man possessed, in my in my opinion. And I don't think I should, or anybody in this room, should ever be spoken to like that in any way, shape or form. So my point to the guy was, talk to me like a normal human, because that's what I am. I'll talk back to you and have a normal conversation and then we both shake hands and walk away. And for a couple of sentences, he couldn't cope with... The, talking to me like a normal human. So I said to him, that was all it was. Just talk to me. Just talk to me, don't scream. We'll talk and then we'll shake hands. We won't agree. We might not go walk away with the same on the same level, but we'll shake hands and we'll behave like normal people, our normal people should, and then we'll, we'll we'll leave it alone. And you can get on the train and you can slag me off, slag the team off, as you should, because the team had just lost, and whatever you think, you're more entitled to your own opinion. But my point is, is I'm not gonna hide away. I've sort of lost the the, the train of the question, but I think it's important that um, that I embrace, if I'm gonna embrace people when things are all right, then I embrace people when they're not. If it gets ridiculous, then I've obviously got to find my way of staying away from it. But I love the fact that people travel. I love the fact that people support the club. I love the fact, and I can't express to you how much I love the fact when I hear people sing my name, because it's incredible. It's an incredible thing that happens to me but I'm not going to load it all up when it's great and then I'm going to run run away on I when when, it, when it's not it, you know, I, I, I'd always embrace that and I'm sorry if I've not answered that question well but I think you touched on can I can I uh, can I add to that so for me it wasn't a big deal for me it was one person might be more but for me it was one person that was screaming and all I said to the guy at, at full time was talk to me like a normal person I'm more than happy to answer your question. I'll tell you what I think was right. I'll tell you what I think was wrong. I understand you're disappointed. If you want to shake my hand, we'll. I'll go back in the dressing room and you can get on the train and we'll, we'll both go our own way. And, and that was as major or as minor as it was. But, but I'll say, I, I, I'm not I'm not gonna hide away from things either way, whether they're good or, or, or they're bad. Does that suffice, sorry? Yeah. I know I waffled a bit there, but <laughs> I'm trying to answer. Sorry, yeah. So I knew there was another sh- the question. Sorry, I think it's um. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it was for, for Justin, and, I, and I, don't, I don't. He's the last manager that I can really compare that to. So I'm not. I'm not bringing him up for any other reason other than to say how I felt it was for them. But I know that Justin was very much like this is the player that I want. This, you know, this is this is where it's at. And Martin went and dealt with it. I'm a little bit different to that because I feel as though that I want to know the ins and outs of everybody to make sure that we're getting the right personality because I've got to work with them every day and I've got to coach them and um, me and Just had a great understanding that Just would know the players that he wanted and then I would have to coach them because that was my job, do you know what I mean? So for me, I I want to know a little bit more and more and more about the players. So um, over the transfer window because it's sort of me coming into the job on a permanent basis, and then the transfer window opening was quite rushed. We spent a lot of time every day, and I spoke to a lot of agents myself to make sure that all the digging and all the conversations Mike would have with them about finances and length of contract or loans, anything like that, he would deal with. I tried to stay away from that bit, and he tries to keep me a bit, but I wanted to know everything about the plough that I was bringing in. So I, had, the transfer window for me was, was was carnage because I felt like I constantly needed to get to the bottom of it. Whereas now it's shut and we've got a, I don't know, three-month period or whatever till the next one opens, I feel that I'm now in a position to prepare myself properly for that transfer window and therefore when it opens it's not got to be as mental because we've already started our recruitment process yesterday of who do we want, who's out of contract, who are we going to get on new contracts, where do we need to strengthen? What type of player do we need to? So that now, when Steve Foster goes to games, instead of him coming in to me and saying to me, oh, I see this really good right back. Yeah, I don't care. I, I want to take field player. I'm just throwing these positions out there. as. A thing. But he goes to games now, or can go to games now after our meeting yesterday, fully understanding of the type of player that I want. And then when we identify those names and those players, Martin would then tell me, is it realistic that we can afford them? He'll speak to the agent and he can do the work that he did probably on a little bit more of a regular basis for Justin. Um, as opposed to in the, in the last transfer window, it was all a little bit rushed because of the scenario that that we found ourselves in. Um, so it, it, it changed over that window. I'm hoping it goes back to a little bit more of me not having to talk to too many agents telling me they've got Lionel Messi playing at Grimsby. But... Um, I can then I can make my plans over a little bit more, and, and I want to be able to know that by the end of the season, the only time it's going to get changed or disrupted in terms of recruitment is if someone goes to me, oh my God, has become available. He's only on 50 quid a week, and you can take him for that sort of money. Do you know what I mean? And as opposed to to having to to deal with things on the spot, I want to be fully prepared, knowing that I've done all of the work, so I know what type of player I get. But that there's no stone unturned in terms of the personality that I'm working with because. That
2: can
0: be hard work every day. Cutting me up
1: then. I'll get the shit off it. Uh, In your opinion, who would you say has got the best sponsors down here? Down there? Or down here? That <laughs> <laughs> reefing mother blinding, isn't it? No, I, the picnic crew are obviously fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> the job's safe, <laughs>
1: Of course I know you're fully part of it. Uh, let me just tell you that the fact that I get... A, so, when I get on the coach after the game, when we, when we pick up points, or we play in extreme weather circumstances at the weekend, Karen, um, my sponsors, which are the, who are the Picnic Crew, they always leave me a few gifts and I know they've done their research and yeah, spoke to the missus. There, yeah. <laughs> that <again. A> <laughs> so I get a chocolate orange, I get uh, a packet of fizzy sweets, which Lini eats all of, I get some nuts, which Lily eats all of, and I get some red wine, which Linny ain't allowed to touch anymore. <laughs> Thank you.
2: He only gets the wine if we win. <laughs> right, who's next? People thinking? Are you going to be on the podcast every week or not? <laughs> oi, oi! The third potty.
1: If I'm on the podcast every week, no-one's going to have enough battery on their phone to get through it, are they? <laughs> <laughs> last forever i think um are you sure about that? <laughs> i think it's um like i said earlier I, I try to make myself accessible as much as i can because i feel that i would want to know as much as i possibly could from from the from not just like now but obviously previously to give everybody should <laughs> and for first and foremost uh, my opinions or, or what i think of the way everything works and i, I, I for me, it's easier to be open-minded and, and be a little bit more approachable than, than it is for me to, to hide things away or try and disguise my opinions. So I really enjoy going on there, as I do when I've done uh, the Orient Hour. Obviously I've been on uh, Love Sport a couple of times, but it, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for me to really get people's proper questions. I think it's a great opportunity that, you know, however out there or, or simple people's you know, variation of questions that I get from people. All I can ever try and do is be honest, and, and it just takes me a little bit longer, Steve, sometimes to say that than it for three hours on a Sunday night. It helps getting to and from
2: work a little less uh, arduous. So. Hey? Ross, I saw we, we played a
1: Central League game the other day. Is that a competition that, that we, we've got many more games to play? Uh, And if so, can we as supporters come and watch them? Because um, last year, any unofficial reserve games were always behind closed doors. And for retired people like me, it gets me out of the house. (laughs) Um, I think, uh, certainly the the answer to, to the home games that we play in that competition, and I do believe now people are allowed to come and watch those. Last year we were just in a, we just played unofficial friendlies and I think, I don't know if it's from a safety perspective, I don't know how it works in terms of the where you're playing, um, but we had to keep them as behind closed door games. Some of those might be that the opposition request that that situation as well, but the Central League games are uh, accessible to people. I think now we know that Dan, it's probably an opportunity for us to put that out, isn't it? That the when those are and we've got a couple coming up over the next two Tuesdays so basically what it is is two, um, two strands to the Central League one is you enter a league um, and you have fixed uh, fixtures fixed games for your reserves or whatever team you want to put out but when we went to enter the league Plymouth were in it and for me to travel to Plymouth for a reserve game, the resources that it takes, the time out of people's day to go down and play Plymouth on the first team game is mad, let alone to do a reserve game. So it was my objection to say, actually, we could go and play, I don't know, Chesson, instead of playing Plymouth. And the level of the game might not be quite so good, but the benefits of people only traveling 25 minutes up the road as opposed to four and a half hours is more beneficial. So we, didn't, so we didn't, in, uh, didn't enter the league. <laughs> um, so then the other side of it is there's a Central League Cup. So we entered that, and then what that does, that gives you four games. So we thought if we enter that, and we enter the London Cup like we did last year, it gives us a real varied games programme for the boys, and, and um, thrusts reserve games on you a little bit in terms of you've got, got to do them on a certain date. Um, because of the weather, the ridiculous weather this year, there's been so many playing it, not playing it, playing it, not playing it, that we haven't we haven't been able to play the amount of games that we have. So we played South End months ago, um, and like I said, we were a bit uncertain about the rules, so we were under the impression that you had to play them in a stadium. We played it at South End's training ground, and the game was a complete write off. Um, it was on like an under 13s pitch or something, it was ridiculous. Um, we played our last game against obviously Wimbledon at, at Ware, because they've got a 3G pitch, I know there's a love for that after going to Bromley Sutton and wherever else last year but obviously with the pitches being where they are we can't get on grass really even for training at the moment so we play them at where we're going to Cambridge next Tuesday um, which we'll, I'll get Dan to put that, that out in terms of promoting that and then on the 3rd of March the last uh, segment or last game in that cup is MK Dons and that'll also be played at, at Ware, is that right? Yeah, I think that's. Right. Oh no, don't tell a lie, the Cambridge one will be now in Cambridge and then the, the MK, MK Dons one on the 3rd of March will be at Ware but, but we'll put that out now it's like it a bit of a grey area of the competition and because of so many postponements we wasn't sure of exactly how the rules looked, it was quite vague but now we know that we can play it on 3G we can go and access those facilities to be able to do that um, and it just adds to, to being able to get those, those boys out there and, and then, like you say, for yourself to, co- to come and watch them.
2: say, so, uh, with the late Norian fan base, uh, you know, being the Membership Secretary in here for a start, you know, we know that a lot of the fans are of retired age, so uh, it would be quite good it'd be quite good for people to put out, um, you know, like the reserve teams, the youth team. I'm sure that um, the teams would appreciate the support.
1: I think that's massive, I think we've had a fantastic history of players that have come through here and I think it's exciting to be able to see players on their way back from fitness, you know. I think it's, it's exciting to see the potential of the younger boys that are coming through and now being able to put some of the young uh, youth team boys into that environment um, alongside the young pros, you know, people like Jaden Sweeney who we saw a little few glimpses of last year but he's gone out on loan and then he's come back. and. You know, people like Shadrach, I know he's out on loan, but Brendan Shabani, who people probably haven't really seen a great deal of. So I think it's exciting to be able to see those players. But i say it was, um, it's been a competition that we wasn't really totally sure of, and, and now we are. I think we'll enter it again next year, and it'll give us a real good, good opportunity to, to show everyone what, what's coming through the club.
2: Yeah. I just wanted to ask, as proud and um, patient awake kit sponsor of our Mr. Reliable, Mr. Steady, Jamie Turley, could you let us know how his rehab is going, please?
1: I would say with Jamie, he's probably the one that we're going to have to wait the longest for to see when he's back. Um, it, it's been such a frustrating thing for him. I think he... He played at Wembley at the end of last season and I think if you really asked Jamie at that time was he fully, well he come off at half time so it tells you it that where he was at but I think everyone sitting in a room was given the opportunity of playing at Wembley if he was injured or not if my leg was hanging off I'd make sure I was out there so I think um, you'd all understand his rationale behind that but I think what that done was that, that set him back a little bit and. Um, Obviously, you start the season on the back foot a little bit. And then once you're into the middle of the pre-season, as mad as it sounds to be in a professional footballer being in every day, you're doing you're almost doing pre-season again on your own. And you've got to get yourself back to those levels. And I think Jamie then suffered a setback in a very similar area, but on the other side of his groin, that, that, that's, that's, that's just sitting back further and had to go un, under that operation. I think we'll see him before the end of the season. I hope that we'll see him before the end of the season. But I do think that... Um, He's probably not at the level where we can consider that he's going to be up for selection anytime soon, and it is unfortunate. I think he's, you know, he's found himself in the football league, back in the football league, whatever you know, whatever way you want to look at it. And, and he came into the team, and he had a great game at right back against Forest Greenia. Um, then he found himself back in his preferred position of playing at, at, at centre half, um, and then he's found himself injured again. So it's, it's very frustrating for him. Very frustrating for everyone here sitting in the room, and very frustrating for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah the white one might be all right, mightn't it? But no, I think look, look, I think we're certainly going to see him before the end of the season. I think if anything like that happened, I think we'd all be extremely disappointed, no more than Jamie. So um, the sooner the better, but I don't think it's going to I think he's going to be the one that we might have to wait that little bit longer for. Daddy
2: Conquest.
0: If you looked at this as a game, what we're doing today, at this stage of the game, to your credit, you've got the lowest score in the bullshit bingo going on behind the bar.
1: And that is to your very big credit, you are giving people honest, open answers to honest, open questions. So I think that's a good thing.
2: Bruce was talking. I didn't want to interrupt Bruce. But uh, yeah, hi. hi. Um, I just want to say, for for the record, um, you're no imposter. You are no interim. You are our manager, and we love you. But what I what I'd like to ask is, we know we know you've been coaching for a long, long time, and it really, really irritates the hell out of me. Swear filter there that people say you're inexperienced. But if you could meet. 21-year-old Ross now, and give him a bit of advice. What advice would you give him?
1: Avoid
2: <laughs> the supporters club.
1: <laughs> Fancy going to Charlie to tonight? <laughs> That's what i <I'll> said have said. <laughs> um, sitting here right now, the biggest thing that I... Um, and it, it it relates to the imposter shout a little bit because um, I never ever perceived myself as a manager, and the, re- the my biggest reason is because I'm me. The Biggest reason I never thought I would be a manager is because I thought, who wants me as my as their manager? And, I, and I, that, that's going to sound like a sub story shout. Gen- please don't genuinely take it as that, but I do because I think if I, I, I the way I phrased it to people before is if I am. Um, if I'm if I wanna be a manager, I wanna be the best manager there can be. In an ideal world, I'm the best manager I can be and we end up in the Premier League and win the Champions League, right? No, let's get it right. That would be the ideal situation, even for the people that don't like me and don't want me, right? But I wanna be the best. So I wanna I wanna I wanna strive to be to get to the very, very top. If I'm honest, last year I felt like I had the platform to do that with the perfect scenario of a manager and me doing everything that I could as an assistant and a coach to, to help the club get there. But if not, me and Justin to go there because selfishly you have to look at those situations. But in order to try and reach the very, very top, I always thought to myself, if I was a fan and I picked up the paper and I see the list of potential managers coming into my club and Ian Holloway, Mark Cooper, Someone else, Paul Tisdell, Derek Adams, Carl Fletcher, Darren Curry, I'm reading off a different list now. But if all of those people are on the list, would I want Ross Embleton to be my manager? Would I be excited about him being my manager? No. So I then thought to myself, well, how else am I going to get there? I need to be a coach, I want to try, strive to be the best. So I think what I would now say to, to, to that person would be believe in yourself, back yourself try to be the very best you can be, and then if you get the opportunity, grab it with both hands, because you never know where it's going to take you. Um, yeah, back yourself to, to, to try and be the very best that you can be. Put your neck on the line, because life's too short. Um, and grab the opportunities the, the best way that you possibly can. Throw everything that you possibly can into it. And then if or when it don't, don't work, then you can look at the alternative. And I think maybe, Rightly or wrongly, that was my viewpoint at the start of the season for, for, to a degree, as to why I didn't didn't want to take the job on permanently at the same time. I've got no shame in admitting that at the start of the season the reason I didn't want to take the job was because I felt like I was managing Justin Edwards Football Club. And again, I've got no shame in admitting that, because it was, and it is. And as much as I tried not to be him, as much as I tried to not fill his shoes, as much as I tried to be myself, I was still managing Justin Edwards Football Club. And then the circumstances changed that allowed me to look upon that in a bit of a different frame of mind. So I think that's how I would approach it. I would say to, to me at twenty one, do you want to go chance and then after that
0: <laughs>
1: grab your opportunity with the best, back yourself and believe in yourself. And then if it don't work, it don't work. But I think life's too short to to, to, to not try and try and embrace every opportunity that you can.
0: Oh, hello, Ross. What do you think of PAR?
1: I think it's the biggest waste of time ever. (laughs) I think... um, (laughs) We all know my history with officials. (laughs) (laughs) They're not very good, but I think at the same time, there's a massive part of, for me, like, keeping hold of what's authentic in the game and making sure that we embrace what football is, is all about. And I remember my dad saying to me that he spent some time in Denmark and obviously German football is massive in Denmark. And that when you watch games, the delay between something happening the minute things happening in a game is ridiculous. And it just slows everything down and you lose what we all go to games of football for. You lose the controversy that we all like to talk about. You lose the momentum. You lose the fact that people are gonna stop celebrating scoring a goal because they're not sure. You lose all of those sorts of things, and then it takes a quarter of an hour to try and get an answer from it. And then actually, the guy who's making the decision, that final cutthroat decision, is less experienced than the geezer standing on the pitch in a black kit. So it don't make sense. For me, I think, it might be new you to ask me the question before about VAR, um, at our level. I think if we ever get VAR at our level, it's going to be someone in the south stand on their phone. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know where that got us when dates got sent off the other week and Ruel nearly got done for ginning someone. So I think we're, the, we're, we're much better off without it at our level and I don't like it at the time. <laughs> 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 How's life
0: treating
1: ya. a little bit greyer on here, you can't see them, but it's a little bit greyer on here and I am noticing them coming on a very, very big scale. Um, I spoke to someone today and they said to me, do you enjoy it? And I said, I don't know if you ever actually enjoy it, because um, you you do, but you're in a perverted sort of way. I think um, I enjoy getting up every day, I love my job, I love going to work, I love doing what I do. I hate it at five to three. Until our past five, until I could get that first glass of wine after the game, um, because you put so much effort, so much time, so much focus, so much energy, so much worry into that throughout the week that builds up to that 90 minutes or so. That if it goes right or wrong, it, it, there's so many different emotions are going into. So it's not actually enjoyable that period of it. Um, and hopefully you do get to a stage within it that, that, that makes it a little bit more more enjoyable and a little bit more relaxing. Um, I don't enjoy the wins enough. I don't enjoy them enough because um, I win. And because we haven't won as regular enough for me this season, we win a game of football and I just worry about the next win. I want us to win again and then I want us to win again and again and again. And the only time that it happens is when I gave the job up and, and Carl come in. So. Um, it, it hasn't happened for me on a regular enough basis so we win and i just straight away think yeah that's great but we need to win the next one we need to win the next one and i know life it don't work like that but at the same time i need to need to strive to achieve that more the actual defeats i deal with better because i just analyze them to death and i watch the game on a sunday we win, lose a draw i watch the game on a sunday but then i watch it again on a monday and i look at the individual things within the games and and how we're going to gonna put it right. So my focus is a lot more focused once we lose. So it doesn't drain me, it doesn't really hurt me and get me down, It hurts me, but it don't get me down, 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 because I've got a focus on how we're going to go and put it right. So I need to learn to enjoy the results a little bit more. I think um, what this has done for me is I I work my nuts off. I leave home at quarter past half past six every morning and I get home at six, half-six, which is no different to some of you guys in the room. I'm not. Not trying to make out that I work any harder than you lot but I put so much into it that when I get my day off or get a time at home with the kids and the missus and the family it has made me treasure that a hell of a lot more so I've enjoyed my family time a lot more which I think ultimately for all of us is the most important thing right let's have a look at the um yeah
2: you're all right. right.
1: It's after. Yeah, something you alluded to earlier, Ross, about the training situation Um, at the old cheeks is probably not ideal. Kent did say at one point that he would really like to get a training pitch, and because of the weather like it is at the moment, um, and you did say that perhaps you couldn't get on the pitches much. So, is there any progress on that? That? I don't think so. Um, I think we've always um, found it very difficult here. I remember when um, when I first started working here over the road full time, we were based at Southgate Hockey Club. Uh, we, we trained probably at every venue in Waltham Forest at some stage in, um, throughout the club's history. I think we had the place uh, um, over by Newbury Park. And then this is probably for me the best circumstances that we've had, but I think it's probably not got the capacity and the size and the area that you want. I think you're always striving for more and you always want more. So the answer to your question outright is I don't think we're any closer to finding the training ground. I think being where we are stationed in London, all the benefits that i talked about with with player recruitment, the the cost of land and and, and what you develop and where you develop is always gonna be a challenge. I think we make the best of, um, of good circumstances at Chigwell, but I think the rain this year it's been absolutely outrageous and I think we've been grateful that uh, we trained at Roading Valley School in Loughton today uh, West Ham were fantastic with us over the Christmas period they let us into their indoor dome three or four times which was obviously a real real help, real support for us in terms of doing that I know some people won't like us going there but needs must um, And we've, used, we've accessed the 3G pitches uh, in the area the best that we can and then the rest of the time it's about about trying to make the best of the pitches that we've got there but someone said to me today like I said I have someone in from the FA that that supports me and helps me with some things and he said to me today you do know someone will be training in a hall school or somewhere today some people might not be trained so I think the circumstances that we're in we have to you know we have to embrace them at the same time we also have to remember that we're a league two football club and you're not going to get the very best circumstances which was my answer to the reporter about Pep Guardiola if he comes down and tries to manage in league two is he going to be able to She's a chigwell
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Ross, it's been a uh, regular season, but why has uh, Josh Wright been out of the starting lineup for the last couple of games? <laughs> um, outright, really. The the, the the rationale behind Josh was to give him a breather. I think he's. Um, I think if I'm right in saying that league games. The only time he's come off has been against Warsaw away, um, and at that time we weren't very good first half, and, and probably Marshy, Craigie, right, any one of the two could have tossed a coin and taken any one of those three off, and it just happened to be Josh on that occasion. A lot of football in a, in a short period of well, time. feel we have played a lot of football in a short period of time, and I felt that um, the game. When was the first game? Was it Tuesday night? Yeah, Tuesday night and Saturday, wasn't it? Sorry. Um, the group needed freshening up a little bit so there were some enforced changes with Marv coming out of the team um, and I felt that just bringing dates and giving dates that opportunity because he missed some football he was still sharp because he played in a reserve game it would mean that we could freshen that position up a little bit and give, give right to your blow the great thing for me when I left uh, Jordan McGuire Drew was the other one with the same rationale really um, on those two games because when I left both of them out, they were both unhappy, which they should be. Um, but at the same time, their reaction to, to the to the decision was, "Don't agree with you, but I'll be ready. When you put me back in, I'll prove a point. I'll prove you wrong. I'll prove you right." It was was the answer that that I would go back with of saying, "Right, when I put you in and you perform well again, the freshness that you've got from missing a couple of games will um, will have helped you." So um, I think I think for me, Josh. Does a lot of work, compared Josh to, um, is it on the Ory now, Lee, when I said about comparing Josh to Jordan Henderson and I, I wasn't comparing Josh Wright to Jordan Henderson, what I was trying to say to people is the job that he does for us is very similar in terms of people don't always recognise it, he gets through an incredible amount of work in a game um, he's our top goal scorer. He, he's created a lot of chances for us this year. We played his part in a lot of goals, whether it be set pieces or even a goal. In, um, Royals' first goal away to Stevenage. So he does a lot of unrecognised work um, that I don't think he always gets the plug. And, and sometimes those players are the ones that a manager loves having as part of their group, um, but he's not always the one that uh, a fan or, or other people sort of they they jump out as, as, as really turning your head. But. A simple answer would have been really just to say that it was to freshen the group up and give Josh a bit of a breather.
0: Sorry, Ross, me again. Um, um, you just going back to um, you know um, your, your formations and things like that. It's uh, I think it. it I'm saying about 442
1: again. I don't know what you said about it. Anything? Is it going to be a possibility? Can I have some of what you're having? <laughs> 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 now, look. I think too, there's a few things you can look at. Is there, um, I, for me, I, for me, sometimes when we play four four two, we try uh, to play four four two at the start of the game. I feel he exposes us a little bit in the middle of the pitch. I feel as though um, the addition of, of, of csa has been a fantastic one, but I think he's really um, he's really quite uh, st- positioned in terms of being in midfield. He plays that deep one quite well. Don't lend itself to playing in a in a two, albeit I'm sure he can do it. Um, I feel it exposes us a little bit. And then I also feel a little bit that, that Wrighty and Craigie's strengths are the, the amount of running that they get through, which then sometimes if you play them two together, can sometimes leave us open. And I mean, when you're chasing a game, that ain't too bad. But I think when you're starting a game and people are fresh, I think the quality of some of the teams this year in the league, I think mean, you can leave yourself a little bit exposed with 4-4-2. I do really like having two strikers up front. It's then how you manipulate the rest of the team to make sure that you're, um, you know, you're comfortable behind the ball and you don't get in too many goals or give away too many opportunities. We obviously start the season as a back three, which gave us the two up front, um, but then I do uh, we become a little bit negative up as a back five. We play a back three if that makes sense, um, but it gives us the two strikers up the top end of the pitch. Um, I think what I've tried to do recently and manipulate a little bit is... So if I wrote our formation down, I would write 4-3-3. But what I've tried to bring to the team in, in, in recent times, and I think Ruel and Danny Johnson have, have helped this a little bit more, is that we've always tried to keep two strikers up the pitch. So then you can argue we're playing 4-4-2 if you like. But we manipulate the the, the, the system that if we're being attacked down one side, we try and leave two strikers up there. So... I'm open-minded and I do like us playing 4-4-2. I thought we were very good last year, 4-4-2, but I think what can start to happen is if you're not in total control of the game and the other team are, and they have more of the ball than you, it can really stretch. You can almost end up with four and four back here and the two strikers too far away from the rest of the team. So um, the free in midfield, I think, gives us a little bit more uh, opportunity to cope in the middle of the pitch, with and without the ball. Um, which then means you know, you have to manipulate the front players a little bit.
2: Okay, it's getting to the time of the night. We'll have two more questions. Now we'll give it a, call it a wrap. So do you wanna go last or do you wanna go next?
0: That's it. All right. do you ever wish that you could be out on the pitch there yeah, instead of standing on the touchline and praying or whatever you do out there and the other thing was
1: Josh Wright always reminds me of when we had Ray Wilkins down here. he love a player Ray Wilkins though wouldn't he? You'd have that career wouldn't you? Um, I think Josh might score more goals than, uh, than, than, than Ray did but I think um... <clears throat> Play, I said to someone earlier I was a better at cricket than I was at football um, so I don't I've never ever since I stopped playing at, I don't know how old was I 23, 24 I don't know. I've never missed playing football because I always felt like uh, when I started coaching that I went into and I was coaching and I wanted I said earlier I want to be the best and I would replicate trying to coach an 8 year old to, to be the very best and aspire to be Lionel Messi rather than aspire to be someone that plays for and Someone against that. Like, what I mean is, is you got to aspire to be the best. So I always felt like I was trying to coach one sport and I was playing another one, so I stopped. So I don't ever really look at the pitch and think oh, I would love. That. Don't get me wrong. As a kid, I grew up thinking I want to be a professional and I want to play. I want to do it. But as soon as I turned my hand to coaching, I much, I much prefer to be celebrating a Josh Wright winner than I am to be the one out there scoring it. don't it don't bother me. It's never really phased me. I've put so much energy into try and be good at what I do as a coach that, that actually worrying about what happens as a footballer has never really never really worried me. What I would like to do is just hide behind my hands sometimes for that last ten minutes. Um yeah, it's not it's not nice. The, the latter stages are difficult. So it, you know, being out there might be a little bit easier but, but at the same time I don't have any aspirations and, and then when you join in sometimes of training and they run past you you realise just how far away from it you are. Okay, we have the last question then. Yeah well so so realistically what is what is our target
2: for
1: the
0: rest of the season?
2: on the bingo I think I just
1: heard it yes oh you've got a line no I think ultimately it is to win every game of course it is Um, but realistically for me um, I think right right at the beginning of the season after everything that we'd been through and we were looking towards and not really knowing what what on earth was going to happen my presentation to the players was I want to finish mid table and I said to them I really hope you're all sitting there thinking leave off we're better than that And if we do all right, or we have a good start, or we have a good run, we're more than capable of finishing higher above that. But we have to take all the circumstances into consideration. It Hasn't been the season that any of us wanted, it hasn't been we haven't won as many games, we haven't performed to the level that we would have wanted to. So now I feel we're in a position where we can still finish mid-table, which was my original outset, not in the way that I wanted it to become. I think, first and foremost, I would I would still look at that as a realistic marker to try to reach. The thing that grains on me all the time is when I look at our goal difference, it really frustrates me. And I feel as though, from a personal perspective, and obviously the boys have got to go out and do it, but to aspire to have a positive goal difference by the end of the season is something tough, but... but Something that we need to strive to look upon. Now, if we do that and we achieve that, then we're in a bloody good chance of finishing the season very, very strong. Um, so I think those two things are really. Um, at the turn of the year, it was about trying to have a better second half than, it, than we did in the first half, um, which I suppose again lends itself to those two things I'm talking about. Joby said something to me midway through December, I think it was. He said, I can't believe how much this season feels like the first season in the National League. So much has gone on, the club was all over the place after the takeover. No one really knew if they were coming or going. Preparations for whatever the reasons were were so up and down. Um, I feel as though if we could try to focus on that momentum that we gained. And I remember with 12 games to go, I think it was around, or just before, we had that crazy free-free game here against Gateshead in the trophy. That was the the game before. That was the first time I ever got the boys in the huddle that we do after the warm-up now. Um, And I said to them, it's not about now. It's about the next 12 games being about next season. It's about aspiring for more. It's about trying to drive ourselves on so that when we come back for pre-season, we're ready to have a proper go next year. don't mean any of us expected to win the league, but to have a better season. And that's my thing now, is about driving us on to be better. Are we gonna lose games like we did at Cheltenham? Realistically, yes we are, because of the season that we've had and you know the consistency, consistency that we haven't shown. Um, but I think if we can really drive ourselves on, don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here saying we're gonna win the <laughs> league too if we finish this season strong, but I think it's to give us that real focus and momentum to come back excited for pre-season, to come back excited for what next season's going to look like, come back for next season ready to be better than we have this year. We have to be better than we, have, than we have been this year, but I do feel as though there's been occasions this season when we've shown that we are more than the position that we're in. At the same time, I'm not being naive, we've shown on a number of occasions that we aren't, but I think we have shown that we can go toe-to-toe with the best teams. Very rarely have we been absolutely ironed out by anyone. Very rarely have we been put into a position where we feel we're right out of our depth. Um, So we have to use those things to embrace the rest of the season, build, get better. Like I say, aspire for those, the goal difference thing. Aspire to be better and aim for, for the middle of the table. Because when I look at the teams that are in those sorts of position, it frustrates me that we're not around them. So let's keep striving to try and catch them. And then I think over the next couple of weeks, you get into March, in the March, going towards April. There'll be a few teams that might be on the beach by then because they're not going up, they're not going down. And if we can have that energy and enthusiasm to really embrace those games, you can win them games, and all of a sudden it just gives you that little bit more of an upbeat feel for when we come back for next season. That's a good question to
2: finish on, sir David. Thank you, Ross, for your uh, for your time this evening. Thank you David.
1: Actually, I'm just going to ask you one more as a wrap up, a light-hearted question, Ross. We know you've been an Orient man for many years. Um, just turn the clock back and just tell us a little bit about when you first came to the club as a youngster. Um, who maybe were your favourite players at the time and what sort of games you may or may not have in your mind? I um, used to sit in the East Stand. Um, right at the very top, right in the very top left, as you look at it from the pitch, I suppose, from, up from where I would stand and look, and look up at it. Um, You've got obviously go with my dad. Um, family had a very big attachment. I think saying will um, be that my mum's not here tonight, but my great granddad had a strong attachment to the supporters' club here. Um, that <laughs> don't surprise me. That <laughs> don't surprise me on that side of the family one bit. Um. So, um, yes, yeah, so I used to sit over there, and then obviously at my attachment with the club started to become that things like going on the kids' holiday camps that were run by by the club, and then um, over over time started to do a bit, a little bit of coaching on the side. I was at the club centre of excellence, um, so I could come on a regular basis. Then I had a brand, uh, I uh, had a Barry owned season ticket when I was at, at, at secondary school, so I sat over this side. I used to sit as close to the away fans as I could to wind them up. I'm not sure if I really had any effect on anyone, but the BMB mates used to, uh, used to sit at that end of the uh, thing, and it was fantastic for us to, to all come, come over here on a Saturday like that and, and some cold Tuesday nights. Um, and then when I started working for the club, I used to sit in the south stand quite a lot because that's where our tickets were. Um, I got released at, at, at sixteen but continue to work for um, for football in the community. So uh, that was sort of my, my attachment, my um, my following of the club. When I left school I was a my mum let me go to Cambridge on the on the supporters coach, she let me go to Barney on the train, um, games like that. So I've done through, you know, like more local away games with my mates and I thought I was a right hard nut but it was absolute waste of time. But um, so yeah things like that fantastic i think players for me the one the one player I always ever remember everyone singing about was terry Howard. um always remember love to know who it was but always remember old boys singing orion bang 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 on the back of the back in the east stand um and then my favorite player i think of, of of all time uh coming here as a kid was danny carr um, always always loved the way that he played, always lo- you know, loved the type of player that he was. I don't actually really remember a great deal about it now, but when I say it, I always liked, liked, the, liked the player that he was. Um, Favourite game ever was Dagnam and Redbridge away in the FA Cup 5-4. Um, my mate's dad was a director at Dagnam and Redbridge, we were ball boys that did nothing other than sitting an orange bib on the side of the pitch and got it for nothing. But I managed to sit next to the goal and watch the 5-4 game in the FA Cup against Dagnum and Redbridge, and that's a game that that, uh, that always always lives lives in my memory. Um, and I think for me to be able to, to sit here now and, and obviously at the end of last season, as someone that can play a part in this club's history, to say that I've won a league, to say that I've... Um, you know taking us from what everyone remembers as our dark times and i remember them dark times of wearing that poxy jacko kit every week last year wow. that bright blue gear has been extremely dark as well as everything else but to be on pictures to be seen and and, and part of some of the magnificent photos that are around the around, around the around the stadium is something that um that you that you, you know he's, he's a dream the people that people talk about to have been sat over there as a kid and then, and then to be now doing what I'm doing is, um, is quite mind blowing. So, uh, if I've missed anything, I do apologise. I see a few shades of heads when I said Danny Carter, but I could have said a number of other people that shook hands with Colin West when we played no? <laughs> the there. Um, but no, no, I think, um, yeah, an incredible privilege for me, and um, hopefully, it gives you a little bit more about what I'm about, my background at this football club. Thanks again, Russ, for some honest and detailed answers. And thank you all guys for coming in. See you soon on the best deciding. Thanks everyone.